Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, March 22nd, and we're talking tech ETFs. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Fool.com's Brian Faroldi on Skype. Brian, happy to have you back on the show. Dylan, thanks so much for having me. I love coming on. Yeah, uh, we are unfortunately pre-taping this show. Fortunately, unfortunately, because I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be doing some traveling, uh, so we cannot really get into the heat and commentary of March Madness. But because we have a long uh, grudge with each other over sports teams, I just need to throw out there my Northeastern Huskies in the tournament, your Yukon Huskies watching at home, Brian. Yes, we, we, we did fail to make it. So I will have to be rooting for the school, my, my second choice school, Northeastern, as, uh, as they go through the tournament. <laughs> Just had to get that dig in. We're in that magic period where teams are in the tournament, aside from the people that lost in the play in game, everyone still has a shot. By the time this episode goes live, uh, my Huskies might already be out. So I'm not going to be celebrating too long, Brian. I'll, I'll be rooting for them, no matter the outcome, though. That's the important thing. <laughs> I appreciate your fandom. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about a topic that we haven't really spent too much time on the show discussing before, and that's the ETF space. Brian, you want to give us a rundown on what an ETF is for people that are unfamiliar? ...funds, and they are essentially a basket of different types of investments that are pooled together into a single entity, and then investors can buy shares of that entity, and it is those that the ETFs are traded on a major stock exchange, such as the NYSE or the, or the NASDAQ. And as a owner of the ETF, you get to own a proportional stake in the total asset base of the exchange-traded fund. So in that way, they kind of operate like a mutual fund, but there are some key differences between the two. Yeah, I'm guessing a lot of people heard that description like, wait a minute, I think that's a mutual fund. Um, They are very similar in some ways. The main difference is ETFs float throughout the day. They can be bought and sold while the market is open, uh, and they have prices that are constantly updating to reflect the values of what's in the basket. Uh, Mutual funds price daily, only transacted at the end of the day. Uh, Some other big ones that you want to keep aware of, Mutual funds have minimums very often, $1,000, $5,000. But with an ETF, if you have enough to buy a share and cover your transaction costs, you can get started. Yeah, that's right. And transaction costs are, are, are a big thing to keep in mind because ETFs uh, can be purchased through a brokerage account, and in, in, in many cases, you do have to pay a commission on them. Uh, sometimes with mutual funds, you do not have to pay a, pay a commission, so that is something to to keep in mind. But the, another a big benefit of ETFs is um, for for some types of investors that because they trade uh, during the day, there are all kinds of extra things that you can do without ETFs that you cannot do with mutual funds. So advanced advanced trader. Uh, Advanced investors can short ETFs or use options on them or use margin on them, stuff that can help to hedge or amplify risk uh, that you can't do with mutual funds. Yeah, we're going to put all those actions in the catch-all of stuff that new folks can stay away from and maybe things that you really need to be sure you know what you're doing before you venture too far into. Um, I think a lot of people think of ETFs and they know that this is a space where typically your fees are a little bit lower than what you'll see with mutual funds. Uh, You tend to see that on the management fee side. But your point earlier about commissions, uh, you know, that is something to be aware of because while generally ETF fees are lower, if you're actively working in and out of ETFs, you're basically going to wipe the benefit of being in ETFs versus mutual funds. 
Yeah, you have to keep in mind the, the total dollar amount that you're playing with and the commissions that you're playing. Um, as you said, ETFs are often have a lower expense ratio than, than a mutual fund. Um, but if you are trading in and out of them, which is just a silly idea in general for anything, uh, all, all of the benefits, all of that lower cost will be completely eroded by trading costs. So that is something to keep in mind. Yeah, and even on an annual basis, or if you're looking at a two-year time horizon, you know, say you have a thousand dollars, you're paying seven dollars per trade. Uh, that's a 0.7 percent commission fee, or, or rather, just flat fee. And then on top of uh, you know whatever management fees there might be, uh, very often the difference between a mutual fund and an ETF is only 10 basis points or 20 basis points. So if you're paying 0.7 percent in order to transact, um, that might eat away that difference. You might be better off tossing your money right into a mutual fund instead. Um, Brian, with all that nuance out of the way, I think the reason that ETFs are appealing to investors is the same reason that mutual funds are interesting to investors, um, especially new folks, because you buy one thing and you have instant diversification. Yeah, that that is a huge benefit of ETFs, and these ETFs have exploded in popularity over the last couple of decades. A couple of decades. I mean, there are literally thousands of ETFs for investors to choose from, and they segment the market up in any any way that you can imagine. And we're we're going to talk about tech ETFs, and just as research for the show, I found seventy one different ETFs that are just devoted to the technology space, and they are broken up by they separate themselves in. A number of different ways. Uh, some own everything that's related to tech, where others take a niche folk and they niche folks and they only buy semiconductor stocks, or they only buy cybersecurity stocks. Uh, some of them take a regional focus, so they only focus in the U.S. or they only invest in China or they only invest in Israel. Some are weighed by market cap versus some are equal weighed, and some are even actively managed versus passively managed. So there are tons of different ways for investors to get exactly the exposure that they that they want with ETFs. All right, why don't we kick things off talking about the best known ones? Uh, there is a very large class of tech ETFs that have done quite well over the last couple of years. Let's start with some of the big names, Brian. Sure. The first and the biggest uh, tech ETF that uh, is out there is called the Technology Select Spider. Uh, SPDR fund, and its uh, symbol is uh, XLK. So this is just an index fund that tracks all of the uh, technology stocks that are components of the S&P 500. So that includes 69 uh, different holdings. Uh, this fund has been around for uh, 20 years now. It's huge. It's got 20 billion in assets. It's very liquid. It's very easy to get for investors to get in and out to. And even though it has a huge number of holdings, its, it's expense ratio is very low. So it's 0.13% expense ratio. So if you want easy access to the uh, technology and you want to get all, uh, ex exposure to all the S&P 500 tech stocks, this is, a, this is a very easy fund to invest in. As you might imagine, something covering the tech space is going to have a lot of exposure to the major players. That ETF has a lot of exposure to Microsoft and Apple. I think combined, they make up about 35% of the exposure in the ETF. Uh, Brian, we can't talk ETFs and passive investing without talking about Vanguard, too. Yeah, big surprise. Vanguard has a fund, and big surprise, it's hugely popular. So Vanguard's tech fund is called the Vanguard Information Technology ETF. The uh, the symbol there is the VGT. This is a index fund that is tra that uh, tracks information technology companies that that exist beyond just the S and P five hundred. So in Vanguard's uh, this this fund's case, there are three hundred and twenty different uh, stocks that are held inside of it. It is also very big. It's been around for fifteen years, and it has nineteen billion dollars in assets. 
management. And as you'd expect from any Vanguard product, it also boasts a very low expense ratio. Uh, this fund is just 10 basis points per year, so very cheap. All right, we have one more that I think is kind of part of the larger tech consciousness with ETFs, and that is First Trust Dow Jones Internet Index. Um, somewhat similar to the ones we've talked about before, a little different though. Yeah, so this this is uh, uh, the, first, the the stock symbol here is the FDN, and this is a market cap weight index of the largest and most liquid U.S. companies that are just focused on the internet, which is obviously a very broad term. Um, but this 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 fund holds uh, 43 different companies, and it holds about uh, $8 billion in assets under management, and it's been around for about 13 years. Uh, one thing that separates this fund from the other two that we mentioned is it includes a little tech company called Amazon, which is actually... Um, classified as a retailer uh, in many ways, so it's not included in some indexes, which is a little bit strange. Uh, but this fund has done uh, extremely well, and it, it does have a much higher expense ratio than the other two we mentioned, uh, of 0.53%. So it's nearly five times more expensive than the Vanguard product. Uh, having said that, it does give you a more complete view, one could argue, of the tech sector, because it does include Amazon. And Brian, your point right there is exactly why you need to dig into what the underlying assets are for whatever you're investing in, ETFs, mutual funds, doing your homework on individual stocks, because you might buy an information technology ETF thinking you're getting exposure to Amazon, only to find out that the industry classifications aren't going to help you out there. Yeah, it's always good when before you buy an ETF to just just crack it open, just look at the top ten holdings, see how concentrated it is, see if it's market cap weight or if it's equal weight, and that can just give you a much better idea of what you're investing in. Yeah, and looking at that class of ETFs, um, we have some pretty killer performance over the last couple of years compared to the S&P 500, Brian. Yeah, I mean, these funds, all three of these funds that we just mentioned are big, and they have just crushed the market. I mean, over the last 10 years, the S&P 500 total returns, which means including dividends, is up 335%, which is obviously an outstanding performance on its own right. But the XLK is up 468%. The VGT is up 551%. And the FTN, over that same 10-year stretch, is up 840%. So you're talking about 500% outperformance for the FTN versus the SPY over the last decade. Yeah, and that's why it's worth digging in, right? That exposure to Amazon, a little helpful in juicing those returns, Brian. Slightly helpful, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some of our broad-based ETFs that tech investors might want to have on their radar if they're looking for some instant diversification and nice exposure to the tech space in general. You keyed up the fact that we have some more niche ETFs in there. Brian, let's dig into that. Yeah, so there, there again. There's there's dozens for investors to choose from. But as I was like sifting through, uh, three of them did catch my eye, and I thought that they could be worth mentioning on the show. So the first one that I thought was worth highlighting was called the Arc Web. X.O ETF, and the symbol there is ARKW. So this is a little bit different of an ETF because it is actively managed. So in this case, there is an, uh, an investment manager uh, that is calling the shots, picking individual stocks that are going into the fund. And the theme behind this fund is they're identifying stocks that are benefiting from the broad infrastructure shift away from hardware and software towards mobile and cloud. So this fund is, uh, holds 30 different holdings, it's got a lot of full favorites that people I'm sure know, including NVIDIA, uh, Tesla, Square, 
Twitter. And because it's actively managed, it is much more expensive than some of the other funds we mentioned. The expense ratio here is 0.75%, which is probably unappealing to many people. However, this fund has only been around for five years. And the shift away towards cloud and mobile has been so incredible. And this fund has a very foolish investing style that this fund is up 173% over the last five years, whereas the S&P 500 is only up 57%. So for people that are willing to, to fu- take a, an active managed um, ETF, this I think is a great choice. Yeah, and some of the characteristics that you point out with this ETF are really the signs of something that is actively managed. You know, you can look at some of them right off the bat. Smaller holding base, smaller AUM. Um, it's a little bit easier to put up some pretty stellar returns when you're working with 500 million under management versus 19 billion. Um, and you can be a little bit uh, tighter in what you own if you're in the active space. Yeah, and in this fund's case, the expense ratio that you're paying does give you a direct access to a theme that I think is very powerful, which is the shift towards mobile and cloud, but you are paying more for that for that focus. Another major focus for tech investors over the last 5-10 years is cybersecurity. Shocker, we have an ETF for folks like that too, Brian. Yeah, so this ETF has a super fun ticker, H-A-C-K, HACK. This fund is called the ETF-MG Prime Cybersecurity ETF, and it tracks an equal weight index of companies that are involved in cybersecurity. So if you believe that cybersecurity is going to become an increasingly big issue and that there are companies that are focused on the space are increasingly going to grow in relevance, this is an interesting fund to choose from. Uh, they currently hold 55 different holdings, lots of companies like Splunk and Palo Alto Networks and Checkpoint Software. It's a big, a bit of a bigger fund. It's got about 1.7 billion in assets under management, and like we said before, because of the the niche focus, the expense ratio here is higher, 0.6 percent uh, per year, which is a little bit a little bit higher. Um, but the the general trend of, towards cybersecurity has allowed this fund to outperform the S&P 500 by more than 20% since its inception in 2014. So you are paying more, but you are getting so far pretty good performance. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people look at that that have been interested in the cybersecurity space. Uh, I know for a while I was a shareholder of FireEye, a cybersecurity company, uh, and unfortunately rode that wave down. Uh, this has put up pretty good returns in a time where that company has struggled quite a bit. Um, that's because you have that nice broad exposure. You're not betting on one horse. You have a lot of players in that space. Yeah, exactly. That's the big benefit of ETFs in general. They get they allow you to spread your money around, but you can still pick a theme that you like. All right, Brian, this last ETF is one that we're kind of stealing from the Monday Financial Show, uh, and it is a mobile payments ETF. Yeah, I got a feeling that Jason Mosier would be very happy about this ETF. So this <laughs> ETF is called the ETF-MG Prime Mobile Payments ETF, and it, again, has a really fun ticker, IPAY, I-P-A-Y. So this, this ETF tracks uh, credit card companies and anything that's providing infrastructure that has anything to do with the payments and payment processing. So if you are into the war on cash, the theme that uh, that cash is gradually going to continue uh, losing relevance, this is an interesting fund to play it. Uh, this fund holds 33 different uh, stocks. It's got about 400 million in asset center management, and it has outperformed the S&P 500 by 32% since its exception, inception in uh, 20, 2015. Uh, the expense ratio here is 0.75%. Like it is for all of these niche ones, you are paying more for that diverse, uh, for that for that concentration. But if you are a believer in in the war on cash and you want a very easy way to pay it, play it. I think iPay is a, is a decent choice. 
with all of these actively managed ETFs, I look and you know an expense ratio below one percent for the types of returns they put up is is pretty reasonable. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I mean, you are getting hyper focused on a specific uh, niche, and if that niche does well, your fund will do very well. So as long as the performance is there to justify the higher than expected expense ratio, uh, it can make it can make sense for investors to use these ETFs. As we wrap up here, Brian, I want to take a moment to talk about diversification because we say it's easy way to get a lot of exposure to tons of different companies. The thing you have to keep in mind is if you are in some of these more specialized ETFs, these more concentrated ETFs, yes, you're diversified in the sense that you may own a piece of 30 companies and the outcome of the ETF is going to be tied to their overall results. But if you're in a very tailored ETF, you know, if you are in an obscure uh, like Chinese aluminum producer ETF, uh, if that industry really struggles, it doesn't matter the fact that you're diversified. Uh, the overall tailwinds aren't there for you. Yeah, that is 100% accurate. So if you are in, for example, iPay and credit card processors and the whole Warren Cash thing doesn't work out, this fund will severely uh, get crushed, which is why it's good to think of these ETFs as a complement to your regular investing style, uh, but not a complete replacement. Right. It might be worth owning a basket of ETFs in that case, Brian. I I think that's a great choice. (laughs) Brian, thanks for hopping on and talking ETFs. You were the one that pitched me the show, and so I was excited to have you on to talk about it. Anything else before I let you go? No, have a great time in Montana snowboarding. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Listeners, if you reach out anytime in the next couple days, I will not be able to answer any emails or tweets, but I'll get back to you on Thursday of next week when I'm back from snowboarding. Uh, Brian, thanks for hopping on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Dylan. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, or you can check out the videos from this podcast over on YouTube. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Dan Boyd for all his work behind the glass today. For Brian Feroldi, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!